Bridge Elder Abuse Response Network and the process that they, that they use. Um, I just want to remind everybody that the upcoming sessions are always listed on SACPA's website, which is sacpa.ca. And they can, um, the sessions can be heard on audio and as a podcast from that website. And if you have any suggestions or ideas on any aspect of uh, this event or ideas for future, um, there is a suggestion box right over here by the door. Please don't hesitate to leave your thoughts and comments and ideas for the future. Okay. Uh, I think that's everything that I need to talk about right now. So um, we are going to go ahead and get right into the Q&A. Right over here, we have the microphone for you folks. If you are not familiar with the format, think of your question. Please formulate it in your head before you come up. Keep your preamble to a minimum. Um, and away we go. Does anybody have any questions to start us off? Hello. My name is uh, Knut Peterson. Hi, Knut. Uh, my, my, before I ask my question, I just want to recognize that our long friend, Frank Toth, passed away a few weeks ago. And I have had a sympathy card gone around. Most people have signed it, but if anybody still haven't signed it, they're welcome to come and, and sign it. Uh, so I just want to pay tribute to Frank. He was a he was a great questionnaire here. He was he absolutely kept people honest, and he was always wondering about the royalties. Nobody ever gave him a proper answer. So hopefully he will rest in peace. My question relates to. Uh, what about the people that abuse the caretakers? Sorry, say that again. You, do you deal with that as well? The people that? Uh, there's, a, there's a fair amount of patients that probably abuse their caretakers as well. It's not just one way. Are, are, are you well, so, so dealing with any yeah. of that? So within the government system, there's a Protection of Persons and Care Act and they have an investigative unit that, that looks at, at what you're talking about, people that are in, in health care facilities and in facilities to look into those issues for them. We don't specifically deal with them unless it's, um, um, unless we're brought, unless Joanne's brought in with the police usually to, to talk about some issues. Sometimes it's patient to patient, sometimes it's a family member coming in um, and, and um, mistreating someone that's, that's living in a, in a, a care facility. Um, if it's a, a staff to a patient relationship, then, then we encourage people to go through the protection of persons and care uh, system. I don't think you believe me. See, you just gotta look at me. <laughs> that's canoe, right? Hi there, my name's Celeste. Thank you much, very much for being here and making people aware that this is available. I was listening to your presentation and you said that you follow the guidance of the elderly person. You never mentioned anything about what if that 
person is not competent to make their their choices and they are living in a situation that is a case of elder abuse but they are not able or in a lot of cases will not identify that themselves so what do you do in situations like that where one of the first things we're looking at to see if there's any power of attorney to be able to see if there's a POA or a personal directive. And we encourage anybody over the age of 18 in the province to have a personal directive and a power of attorney. Two living wills that determine the direction. Those are the people that I would work with at that point in time. So if there's a power of attorney with someone or personal directive, and I'm seeing abuse occur with that particular senior, then I work with the family that has voiced that concern to be able to move those things forward. So them as their guardian or their trustee of their money is where I would assist. Okay. Make sense? Yes? It does. So if, if an elderly person and does have a POA yep. enacted, yep. you are still able to assess then for elder abuse? Yes. Elder abuse? Yes. Because my understanding I, from yes. a legal point of view was that... I get consent from the POA or the personal directive to make okay. sure that I can have their permission to be able to pursue okay. this on the behalf of that particular senior. So if the POA declines your assistance, then what? Even though you still know it's an abusive situation. No. There's the, no. There's the click. Yes, okay. yes. We do have the Office of the Public Guardian, mm -hmm. so then you can make a referral to the OPGT if there's questions whether or not the power of attorney or the personal directive is misusing that authority, then we can use that government body to be able to make a referral to ask for them to do an investigation with regards to the information that's been found so far. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yes. I have a, I have a question. I have a question. Are there are there support areas um, that are that are missing in our community? Or is there areas where we are at capacity or that we are missing services? Yeah, so. so in terms of elder abuse res resources, um, you're looking at it. Yeah. Really? There's um, Joanne and Lamont and Aaron and the people on our steering committee and the people on, on the, the network. Um, uh, Learn, Learn itself is, is a conceptual entity, not a formalized entity. We host Learn at LSEO because we have the capacity and the, and the knowledge to be able to, to, to support them properly. Um, uh, now that we do have safe suites, um, that's taken a big load off what we do. Um, we actually need more people like Joanne. We probably one thing we probably do need because of um, the amount of work that uh, I think because of of how great our team's working. Joanne has more work, and and one of the next things we we're probably going to look at is is asking for another staff person from the Victims of Crime Fund um, to take up some of this take up some of the slack in the rural areas around us. Um, we have a lot of referrals from our outlying areas in our region that we actually aren't supposed to help. We do, kind of, um, but we're not supposed to because our mandate is um, city and county. Um, but we've actually helped people from as far away as Pitcher Creek and Vulcan and uh, Cardston. And part of it is because we, we don't feel good about turning someone away that's in need. Um, and just so you know, if they come into our office, um, 
they're in Lethbridge. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how we, we deal with that, um, because it, it's 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 one of the things that we do is not to say um, we we can't help you. So we're, there's always a referral to somewhere else, or there's always a bring it back to the steering committee to brainstorm, right? So we're working on developing more resources this time, and, and when we develop, when we understand better understanding of, of some of the other needs, and we're going to, th there's some resources for senior senior mental health that, that we need um, all the time from from the people at the, the health region. There's um, uh, things like um, this. The lady just said about is what happens when uh, people that have POAs or people that are guardians or people that have a personal directive are the ones that are the abusers. And we're working through those issues constantly, and that's why I said earlier we deal with lawyers, and we deal with the police, and we deal with prosecutors quite often. So, uh, Graham Greenley is my name. Uh, I'm I'm curious um, when you're confronted, or when you when you detect a system where uh, a grandchild is stealing money from an an elder. I'm curious as to the reaction of the young person uh, when he or she is confronted with this, and also, how do you resolve that kind of a situation so that it doesn't continue? In situations to date that we've had those mm -hmm. so far, um, it depends on whether the po police are involved in those situations. So in some of the circumstances that we've dealt with, there's been charges laid against the grandchild for misusing. I can think of a situation where a grandson took a credit card out in grandfather's name, charged up $5,000 worth of expenses, and so we brought the police in at that point in time. And so that creates a different scenario than if I'm doing that support services myself. Um, one of the things that we do is a great deal of education for the senior about how to protect themselves from that point for, forward. So we do a great deal of safety planning about where do you keep your documents, where do you keep your credit cards, how can you keep yourself safe, who can you call if you're concerned that that situation may or may not arise again? And then part of those conversations may be, there may not be a criminal aspect to it, but that doesn't mean that Constable Hagen and I don't go to that grandson's home and say, this is what happened, this is the outcome, this is how your grandfather has been put in a position, and this is what it looks like. So I guess I would say it depends on whether it's criminal in nature but we safety plan with seniors, provide as much education as we can to be able to prevent those things from happening again. Okay. So the other, the other thing, sorry. Also you have to understand too, is if you report this and um, the, the, all of a sudden the, the grandparent says, I don't want charges against my grandson. Um, once you report it and, and it's reported as a theft on the credit card, the credit card company will go after them. So that, that's part of the issue, some of the issues that Joanne's had before also is that um, she's had discussions with people and they've said, well, okay, I don't want, I don't want you to get the police involved. I want you to help deal with my grants. But that, that's part of the issue with, with, with kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews is the, um, the older person doesn't want um, 
doesn't want them to have a criminal record or doesn't want the police to deal with them. And that's, that's part of our education with people all the time. Come to groups like this and say, don't give people your credit card. Don't give people your PIN numbers for your credit card or your um, bank card. Um, now, and a lot of times it starts out with, can you go get me, um, can you go get me some groceries? Here's my list, here's my bank card, here's the PIN. Right, and now that we have a, a number of different grocery stores in town that will deliver, and you can do it online or you can phone it in in some cases, um, way better way to do that. And, and, you, and, and I, I don't want to make you suspicious of everybody, but it just happens once. It, it, all that happens once, and we've seen some people that it's never happened to before until it happens the first time and they don't catch the person. And then the, the, the kid or the grandkid does it again. And then they do it again. And then it gets to a point where Joanne has to go to the bank and say, can we see the records? And the bank will show her all the things, that, all the transactions. So that's one of the, one of the takeaways from, from this kind of presentation is um, um, be really careful about, about those things that have to do with your personal finances. Uh, Mary Shillington, uh, I ha I'm one of the seniors that most of us here are, anyway, uh, um, but I'm curious as to if there's an average age uh, in the people that you're dealing with, the seniors that you're dealing with, uh, and what percentage of that might have some dementia? If you have those kind of... Not necessarily specific with any kind of dementia. Um, but I would say from the stats that we're keeping personally, I would say we are finding women over the age of 75 to be more susceptible to financial abuse than any other category of people. Um, am I seeing elements of dementia? Not necessarily, mm -hmm. no. I would say that stat would probably be fairly low. Fairly low? Yeah. yeah. Um, when, it's other, when it's other kinds of abuse, like I've worked with women and men who have been abused, uh, they often don't recognize it as abuse. And so is that part of your helping them to see the, the, what actions are actually abusive? Absolutely, because I think that's one of the first kind of set, uh, meetings that I would have with the senior in terms of what I'm looking at. We have a great deal of uh, written material, mm -hmm. and sometimes I'll just say, let's take a look at this checklist and go through some of the things. You know, have you, got, have you signed a piece of paper that you didn't know what you were signing? Mm -hmm. um, is there um, someone you've g given your credit card to? And we take a look at that. And then we take a look and kind of dissect that. And I think that was one of the reasons that they looked at um, us being social workers is that individual work happens right from when we walk through that door. So being able to say, let's take a look at these risk factors and let's look at the fact that you're at, at risk of being financially abused. In fact, we've got some indicators here that tell us you are being abused. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what's going on there. Um, I just spent a, a couple of days with an aunt who is very um, independent and will soon be 92. Mm -hmm. And uh, a friend of hers lived with her for a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would see what had happened as abusive uh, because okay. how she dealt with the uh, 
the, the finances and so on, and my aunt uh, is not ha having uh, contact with that person anymore. Uh, so that won't happen, but, but the same woman has probably abused most of her friends in that same way. And so how often do you see kind of the ripple effect uh, of who it is are, are some of the people who are abusing the elders you're dealing with, are they abusing other people in the family in various ways? We've talked about situations where we've seen people befriending mm -hmm. other people and in situations where they've taken advantage of them financially. The indicators that I'm getting so far are more prevalent in some of our rural communities mm -hmm. than they are in Lathbridge. So I might have someone who befriends uh, an older female and she's lost land or she's lost cattle or things have happened to just be in somebody else's name and the outcome has not been very positive for that yeah. person. So unfortunately it does happen. We get the police involved in those situations and, and I have the ability to walk with that senior to be able to say, I will go with you if you want to the police station. I will go with you if you need to go to court. I will walk those steps with you. Between myself, LaVon, and Aaron, we can certainly provide that kind of support. Mm -hmm. But yes, it does happen. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. The, um, are you, CBC had a special on the other day uh, about marriage and how people are, are hoodwinked into marrying somebody and family don't hear about it till after it happens. Uh, have you had that kind of experience? Uh, not as much, um, uh, just because I haven't had mm -hmm. it come forward, but I do know it's a factor to watch for. Um, the other thing that comes in that I'm seeing now more is situations where there's been domestic violence mm -hmm. and it continues for 50 years yeah. when you've got two people who are aging and the issue of de domestic violence is prevalent it looks very different than mm -hmm. when they were in their 20s now when they're in their 80s mm -hmm. but the the dv is still there yeah. Yeah. yeah well thank you for your work thank you can i, can I go back on oh i'm on already sorry i uh, so i guess if if there isn't, oh, Terry, do you have a question too? Okay. Uh, Terry Shillington, um, I was thoughtful about your statistic that 8% of elders experience elder abuse, and I'm thinking about it in terms of my work as a uh, clergy person in which, in which um, you meet people in pastoral care situations and also at the end of their life and the stories they tell around funerals. And uh, I've often observed how the family closes rank and keeps these nasty things a secret. And uh, if you really listen well around the funeral, you might hear glimpses of it and you might not. And I'm remembering a story of uh, I buried the husband and uh, gave pastoral care to the woman in her final years. And it was only at the very end of her life that I realized she was living in the basement and her son was living upstairs because she was afraid of her son. And um, so... The, the abusee is often embarrassed and secretive about what's going on as well as the rest of the family. So I wonder how you ever arrive at any statistic around, um, around the percentage of, of elders who experience abuse. Just a reflection. Yeah, so that, that was from StatsCan. So that was reported through 
through StatsCan in 2016. That's where that number came from, that 8%. So um, before we leave, though, one of the things I just want to mention before I forget is um, make sure you have proper identification. I know this, this sounds odd. One of the things that we're running into now and that Aaron has become an expert at is helping people get picture, government picture ID. So we had a case where um, we had to get, a, uh, Joanne had to get a person away from her abusive uh, daughter. And um, she didn't have any ID. She had no, no recognizable picture ID. Because over the years she'd lost it or whatever, she had this and she had that. Uh, no driver's license, no, um, no passport. So one of the daughters in Vancouver was willing to take the mother uh, to live with her couldn't get on a plane. No ID. So, so if if you or anyone you know, just ask some of your friends. Hey, do you have ID? Some people just take it for granted that everyone has picture ID from the government. And it's amazing how um, how many things you cannot get accomplished if you don't have proper ID. And it, it's just something that in the last year has just come to the surface with a number of cases that um, that our team has dealt with. And so, so make sure that you or someone else has, um, make sure everyone that you know has proper ID. So, so on that note, for just a closing thought, do, do any of you or all three of you have um, an, an, any other parting thoughts that you'd like us to be left with, to think about further, to take action upon? Apparently um, they don't have anything else to say. I'd just like to thank you for this opportunity to come here and talk about this issue. It's, um, it's something that, that people don't know a lot about and people actually don't give it a lot of credence. Um, the fact that the federal government a few years ago started running those commercials about elder abuse, uh, where you see the, the, the younger person taking money out of the, the older person's wall, um, purse and things like that, and those are all types of abuse. When, when a grandson says to a grandma, you know, can I have $50? And the grandma says, well, I can't afford it. And the grandson says, well, you know, it'll be hard for me to buy gas to come visit you next time. That's abuse right there. And that happens so often. And that's, and that's so subtle. But the innuendo is right there. That's that emotional, that's emotional abuse right there. Oh, I can't visit you. I'm not going to visit you if you don't give me money. And the, the grandparent reads that loud and clear. But or the senior, but 99% um, of the time they'll give them money, even if they can't afford it. So that's the one thing that, that we want people to understand is the, uh, the, the pervasiveness of, of this issue. Um, and, it, and it's so subtle sometimes. It's not the stealing land and houses kind of thing. It's the, it's the really subtle things that really start to wear on, on people um, and, and that we want to try to help. So if, if, you, if you need something, uh, give Joanne, LeVon, Aaron a call, and, um, and we're, we're there to help. So thank you for having us today. Thank you very much.